Cappuccino with Constable Brian. Real people, real stories. Okay, so my guest today for the cappuccino is Jamie Wall, who's an author, a freelance rugby player. He describes himself as a washed-up player. I feel feel your pain, brother. Uh, he's covered the All Blacks uh, as a touring journalist since 2017. Uh, he's published three books, Brothers in Black, Heroes and Heroics and Heartbreak. And there was plenty of heartbreak in there, just quietly. That's all I'm going to say. And finally, he's the author of, or co-author, I should say, with Andy Burt of the brand-new book called Facing the Harker. Uh, which is released today, which is August 5. Um, and <clears throat> he attended the 2019 Rugby World Cup uh, All Black campaign. More heartbreak. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a TV sports pundit. He's a columnist for a number of foreign magazines and newspapers, including Le Quip, which I thought was yes. quite that's Yeah, that's quite good. So we, I do a speed round, Jamie, which is dedicated to speed, the world's best cop movie. Because yep. Keanu Reeves is not only in Bill and Ted, he's also John Wick, he's in The Matrix. Yep. Where do we go? So, the best all black ever to lead the hacker is who? <sighs> Buck Shelton. Amen. As an author, amen. What's your sporting guilty pleasure? What's the one thing you watch that if your mates found out, they'd go, seriously? <laughs> uh, I would say... Um it's actually greyhound racing. Oh, I, got, yeah, I got hooked yeah. on that. Oh, I don't know if anyone's going to probably think, but it's no, sort of a. That's all right. That's all good. What's yeah. the one thing that you would like to see happen in world rugby if you were the head of world rugby? Uh, more support for the Pacific Islands. Amen to that. Yep. You have to choose the next All Black coach out of Eddie Jones, Joe Smith, or Clive Woodward. Who are you choosing? Um, I'll go with uh, Eddie Jones. I like I, I like him. That's fair enough. Yep. yep. Uh, who was your favourite All Black as a kid? Ooh, tough one. Um, uh, Joan Lomo. Joan Lomo. Yeah, he was yep. my generation, yeah. Yep. Uh, and the last book that you read was what? Apart uh, from your own. Uh, actually, um, really, uh, I, I just had put the copy down on the table as I came out to see you. Um, it's called um, The Red Squad Story. Yeah. And, uh, Ross Moran. Ross Moran's book. Yeah. yeah, I read that. Yeah. Okay, so like I said, you've got a forward in Facing the Hacker from Luke Crawford, who's mm-hmm. uh, Nati Poro. Uh, he's the Māori All Blacks Komatua. Mm-hmm. I think he's also the rugby union's sort of advisor. Yes. Yep. And there's an ex-police sergeant because he used to be my instructor down at police college. Um, congratulations on a great book. I once read a book that was similar in the same type of vein where they interviewed... 15 different opponents of Mike Tyson and what it was like to be on the other side of the ring mm. um, but it's always interesting to see things from the eyes of your opponent so from the natives Akiaki Kiakaha to the modern day matches why do you think the Haka strikes such a chord with one New Zealanders and then two overseas because look let's be honest and this is only two fellas talking in a police car here but Samoa and Tonga and Fiji and all those other uh, Pacificas, uh, Pacific Islanders, have some great, great, great war challenges themselves. Mm. So what is it you think that strikes a chord with the haka? Well, it just wouldn't be rugby without the haka, would it? No. it had, uh, you know, imagine if you were on playing for England or playing for Wales or playing for the Springboks, yep. and you came out to play against the All Blacks for the first time and they didn't do the hucker. How, how would that feel? Yeah. That would, uh, and, and that's something that actually came through uh, in, the, in the guys uh, that are featured in the book is that um, 
playing against the All Blacks is generally regarded as the, the high point of their career. Yeah. And that the pageantry of the haka and the challenge and accepting the challenge is is something that is what, as young players overseas, what they aspire to do. Yeah. Um, it's And I think that's what's so special about it. It's been done uh, by New Zealand rugby teams since day one. Mm-hmm. It's not just done by the All Blacks either. It's no. done by the... The Sevens teams um, uh, by the Blackfoons, um, really important part of their culture as well, and also by a whole lot of other teams in New Zealand, most notably First Fifteens. So it's it's just a huge part of not just not just rugby culture as well. I mean, as as uh, Maori myself, mm-hmm. I personally think that it's just so important yep. um, to have this shop window to New Zealand's culture on display. Every time the All Blacks play, it's mm. like when you look, um, when you go overseas and you talk to people and you say, can you just associate anything with New Zealand? They'll, they'll either say the All Blacks or the Haka, mm. and generally both. And it's because, you know, our culture is on display there in a really, really unique way. And I just I just think it's just such a powerful, powerful thing for me as a New Zealander. I'm just so proud watching it all the time and to, to write a book about it just is uh, such a, feels like a real honour. I read the book. I I generally don't read plenty of many rugby books, but I, I finished it and I sat there and I said to my wife, holy heck, this is an amazing book. And she said, what do you mean? I said, um, not only has, have they captured what it actually feels like to face the haka from somebody else's perspective, but also the fact that you've got guys in there like um, Buck and Hicka and John Eel saying, this is why it's so important, it's really important. Now, speaking of the All Blacks, and the, I'm just throwing this one out because I had somebody ask, ask him this. Mm-hmm. The All Blacks name is not a typo, which I believed it was, but you're oh, telling yeah. me it wasn't, right? Um, because they were a team of All Backs, and yes. that's the rumour, right? Yes. Uh, but it's simply based on its team colours. Do you think that at some stage the All Blacks name is actually, given what's going on in the world at the moment, is actually going to become a risk? That's a really good question. Uh, I, um, I, I've definitely thought about it. Yeah. Um, because of course uh, we're seeing right now that team names are sort of under fair amount of scrutiny, but I don't think so. Um, I think that uh, it, it, it's quite obvious that the the name is because they literally were yeah. all black. Um, you know, much like the Boston Red Sox wear red socks, and mm-hmm. um, and, and and teams like that are simply named after the uniform. Um, I, I personally personally don't think so. And also, um, uh, the team is held in such high regard around the world. Anyone who knows anything about rugby knows about the All Blacks, and so uh, they know that it's it's got nothing to do with um, skin colour or anything like that. Um, but in saying that, I mean, you know, this way this year's gone. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> who they knows? And a true story for you, I once got stopped by a Chicago customs officer who saw me wearing an All Blacks jersey at... Oh, wow. Uh, um, I think it was the O'Hare Airport, and he said to me, what's that on your jersey? And I said, oh, it's the All Blacks. It's our native team. And mm. I, I told him about it and who it was, and he stopped, and he said, so everybody from New Zealand plays in the same team. I'm like, what do you mean? He said, so like like all the all the brown guys and all the black guys and all the white guys. I said, yeah. <laughs> I said, look, that's not the way we roll. I said, basically, you stick on this, and everybody's an All Black. And he's like, oh, okay, then, cool. He said, and he came back. After he disappeared, he came back, he said, so it's not like a... Like a like a Negro League team, and I'm like, no, he just couldn't get his head around it. <laughs> so, if you were the captain of an international rugby team, knowing what you know about the hacker after writing your book, what would you instruct your team to do if they were going to face the wow. hacker? Wow, that's a really interesting question. Um, I would, 
you know, people might not like the sounds of it, I'd probably tell them to do something like what England did the last time we played them because I think that really that really worked. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, it, yeah. it absorbed, I think, um, just from a literal point of view, it kind of absorbed all the pressure and it's almost like they took all of it and drew it into themselves, you know. Yeah. Um, and I remember talking to uh, some of the English players after the game because everyone wanted to know, you know, why they'd done what they did, which was to form a big, a big V around the All Blacks and almost kind of encircle them. Um, and they said it was something that they'd, they'd sat down, they'd talked to. And one thing that came through as well is that they'd got some advice um, from New Zealanders and they'd said, is this okay to yeah. do? And they were told, yeah, yeah, it was, it was good too. And then we talked to the All Blacks about it and they said, yeah, it was fine. Yeah. Uh, you know, they 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 faced it off with their own, in their own way. And, and I think from talking to the All Blacks as well is that they see the haka as something they do you know, for themselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's what they think about. They are completely fine with what anyone else wants to do in response to it. Um, so, you know, there were no problems problems there at all. And, and I think that the way that England certainly went out and played that game showed that they'd, they'd done the right thing. Yeah, and still it strikes a chord with me. But oh, hey, like yeah. that, it's all good. <laughs> yeah. so Johnny, hey, mate, I was there. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah, I, I just yeah, sit there yeah, and yeah. watch the whole thing live. Yeah, I, I feel your pain. Yeah. Yeah, and then some. John Hill's journey to New Zealand in 2017 to film a documentary with Buck Shelford. And Buck Shelford basically told him to go down go down country, mm. see the Kapahaka groups, and see how Haka is entwined in not only our communities, but also who we are as New Zealanders and everything else. And he came to the conclusion that Haka has the ability to connect the team with one another and their heritage and their history and their country. What do you think it is that makes it so special? I'd say this is my father-in-law comes from New Plymouth, so he's a New Plymouth boy's old boy. And if you've ever been to Pukura Park, just like you say in the book, it is mind-blowing. And I have to be honest, I'd probably rate it up there with the All Blacks Mm. as a haka. Um, But what is it, do you think, that just makes it so special for us? Well, it's just part of our culture, yeah, isn't it? I mean, I can't remember ever being a time where I didn't know about it. It's something we've all grown up at, um, with, especially as a rugby player. Um, because obviously, you know, like I said before, part of being an All Black is performing the haka. So yeah. when you're a kid and you grow up thinking, I want to do that, I want to be an All Black, it's not like anyone grows up wanting to be an All Black and not wanting to do that, yeah. you know? Yeah. And if you... If you go to secondary school, like uh, a traditional boys' school, yep. um, like I did, uh, you know, it's obviously something that you you do, and I, do, I, I just think it's, uh, yeah, it's just such a unique part of, of New Zealand, yeah. and, and it's what it's one thing we've got, it's the one thing we've got that no one else has, and, and I, you know, obviously you alluded to um, Pacifica nations having mm-hmm. their own challenges, you know, that are similar. And from an outsider looking in, it's like, okay, they're the same thing, but they're not. No. You know, the haka is ours. Yep. It, 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 can't, it, it can't be done by anyone other than people of Aotearoa, yep. New Zealand. Uh, and, and so, and like I said, it's just such a cultural touch point for so many people around the world. And the yep. fact that our, our national rugby team does it and does it with such pride and mana, um, you know, and, and, and the All Blacks are held to, in such a high regard um, by people in this country that, you know, you can't, um, you can't replicate that. No, you, you can't, can't bottle it, that's you for sure. You can't bottle it. You, no. you know, it, it's just something, and, and, you know, being there, being at Eden Park, yeah. 
being, you know, being in a stadium, being overseas, being at Twickenham, seeing it, it's just incredible, you know, like, and just seeing the way people respond to it mm. as well, the roar that goes up when it's finished, it's just, it's just getting chills thinking about it right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? So France versus New Zealand in 2007, we get the infamous, infamous grey strip. Yes. And one of my favourite players of all time, Sebastien Chabal, mm. uh, they unify themselves, the French team, yeah. to face that haka. They wear their training gear. Uh, Ebenez winks mm. before taking his training shirt off. And we lose. Uh, 2018, Anton Oliver refers to it as a desolate decay. <laughs> and there are some fans who say, good haka means a great game for the All Blacks. Do you subscribe to that theory or not? Because, I mean, if like you mm. say in the book, if you mm. look at the 1973 All Blacks who... Um, and read read Jamie and Andy's book, and you'll find out the true story about why they were so rubbish at it. I'd never realised that, and then I uh, that makes it yeah. work. Yeah, and they weren't a bad All Blacks team, but their haka was atrocious. Mm. So yeah, do you subscribe to the theory? Great haka, good game. I think so. Having talked to some of the All Blacks, um, I my my home club down in Wellington is um, Pornicky, and um, our favourite son down there is uh, Dane Coles. Yeah, yeah. And I've had a few chats with him about about the haka and he always says like you know they they vary in intensity and you know when they do a really good one you can feel like they 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 kind of just lift a little bit yep. so so yeah I, I i think so um it's interesting you, you you mentioned that that french game though and about how unique the haka is to us well the french responded in a way that's really unique to them mm-hmm. you know they they i mean i don't know if you've ever been to paris or france or anything but you can really tell how proud they are of their their country's origin, um, and then for them to pull off their uh, their tops and have all those red, white, and blue um, shirts signifying their their flag, yeah, and drawing their inspiration from stuff that goes all the way back to the revolution yeah. and and that sort of thing, because the French are a very proud people. People oh, yeah. forget that, yeah. Uh, a lot, but if you walk around Paris and you see their monuments and their things, you can be like, man, it's pretty hard not to feel like this is a pretty awesome place yep. when you're kind of reminded of it everywhere you go. So, I I just remember that being a really kind of interesting moment because I was like, well, no one's ever done this before. Yeah, yeah, not wrong. Yeah. In your eyes, who's the All Blacks arch nemesis? Springboks. Yeah. The Springboks for me are the is, is, when the All Blacks and Springboks play. Everyone else get out of the schoolyard because there's the two big boys going yep. at it, you know. And and they play the best rugby against one another. They they've got the most interesting history, uh, going back almost it'll be a hundred years next year. Yeah, um, they're playing against each other. So for me, the All Blacks and the Springboks is the is the the big one. Many teams have different responses. Uh, French 2011, obviously, um, to swear they do the arrowhead, and the, he says, you know. Um, we are ready for you. Maybe you're going to win, but you're in for a hard day. What do you think to those people overseas, um, the Stephen Joneses of the world, those types of people, who say that it gives the All Blacks an unfair advantage? It's just pre-match entertainment and nonsense. <laughs> I don't have much time for those people because, like, <laughs> like, like, I, like I said before, if 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 you were a, a, a journalist, you know, going to cover the All Blacks, yeah, and you you showed up, and uh, it's like, what do you want? Do you want them to not do it? Because what would what would the All Blacks be without the hooker? It just wouldn't be the same thing. No. So I mean, I'd say I'd say that a lot, there's a lot of journalists out there that write stuff because they want to sell a few newspapers. Yes. And I think it'd be really interesting if the All Blacks didn't do a hooker to see what everybody's reaction would be afterwards. Because you know, exactly. regardless of the result, they'd be like, "But there was no hooker." Exactly. So yeah. 
Um, Hickory and Buck Shelford started the revival in 85 with the tour to Argentina with the correct uh, way to haka, the uh, concept of tikanga. Do you think, and I spoke to our, one of our commentators from the police who um, helped at Constable Matt Hunt's funeral with the police hacker there. Do you think, and this is one of the questions he thought, do you think that if it wasn't without those two, the hacker might have disappeared altogether? Or it might have become really watered down? Uh, that's, yeah, that's an interesting thought um, because you, you obviously can't, it, it's pretty hard to tell the story of the hacker without those two guys. Yeah. Um, because obviously in the 1980s, um, they very much said, hey, well, if we're going to do it, we're going to do it properly. So, yeah, I think perhaps without the, their influence, it may, it may have disappeared. I mean, I think that also it coincided with a time when the rugby union was, I guess, establishing what you call like the brand mm-hmm. of the All Blacks. Mm-hmm. And then they realised that the haka was really important to the brand, um, which I think is a really, really big decision mm-hmm. um, by them to, to, re- to realise that, um, you know, Māori culture is, is really intrinsic with, with New Zealand and representing New Zealand. So, I mean, perhaps someone else would have done it, but it's pretty hard to think that someone would have had the same sort of effect that Buck Shelford would have yep. on that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. having had a couple of mates who've had Buck as a Navy PTI, <laughs> I hear. Yeah. Um, speaking of Buck, he said in uh, Ireland in 1989 where <clears throat> Willie Anderson and his yeah. team did the arrowhead formation, Willie's response was the correct right and right way to do it. What are the guidelines now for the opposing teams, do you know, for facing a hooker? Yeah, that, I mean, it's not so much set down by uh, the All Blacks. It's more just set down by World Rugby that you've just got to stand on... The All Blacks will do the hooker on their 10-metre line and the other team's supposed to stand on their 10-metre line. Yep. Um, I think that's... It's not... The only reason for that protocol is it's actually more to do with, like, TV footage. So the cameras yeah, can, get can get it somewhere in the middle. So... Yeah, that's that's the, yep. the the reasoning behind that. And then you'll get the English rugby team, uh, who, for instance, yeah, who, decide to just go and break. And, yeah, we'll take the fine anyway. It's yeah. all good. <laughs> Hello, that's going to happen. Um, do you think the captain of the All Blacks should always lead the hacker? I mean, Steve Hansen says in your book, it takes lots of preparation to lead it and lead it well. That's probably something you'd put in like half a year or a whole year of work into. Do you think it's something that the captain should always lead, or do you think if there's somebody there who's got a real connection? to the land, like TJ Perinara, for instance, mm-hmm. and I know that you'll be all over him, given the fact he's a Hurricanes man. Um, you know, how, how do you view that? Uh, I mean, I uh, there's a big chapter in there about when Kieran Reid yeah. uh, led it for the first time I was at that game, um, and it was a really awesome experience um, yep. to see that, because to see um, him not only as captain, but also as a Pakeha mm-hmm. um, taking on that role. Um, I think, though... It's something that's so insular to the team itself, mm-hmm. like uh, that that they you know no one even knows which one they're going to do mm-hmm. or who's going to lead it until they're actually out there doing it. Um, that it, it would almost be you'd be kind of tampering with the way that it works if if you, if people started sort of saying who should lead it. Yeah. Um, I think at the moment TJ uh, is probably the most clued up on on Maori tanga and and the correct practices, so that kind of makes sense, but. I'd love it if, if the captain did it. Yeah. I think uh, Tano Munga uh, leading it back in 2005 was just such a stirring experience. Uh, when Richie McCaw yep. led it, um, and when Kieran Reid uh, did it, it'd be it'd be awesome if Sam Kane wanted to do that yep. as well. Yeah, again, that was one of the things that caused the guy in Chicago a lot of grief when I told him that uh, 
captain not only was a New Zealander, but he was of Chinese Samoan descent yep. with Tanarimanga. That's right. like, yeah. What the? Uh, okay. So, TJ, speaking of TJ Piranau, when Reed steps up and does the haka, it gives our team mana. Even for Maru, back home to see non Maru going through the processes to learning. It's why he is learning the haka. He's pronouncing the words the right way. He's doing it. He's performing it the right way. That's special to me, not only as a rugby player, but also as a teammate, but especially as a Maori. Do you think that uh, Pākehā, when Pākehā do the haka, it creates a really interesting discussion of if the captain's Pākehā, if um, the captain's... I mean, because sooner or later, I'm guessing one day in the All Blacks, we're going to get a captain that is maybe of African descent mm. or Chinese descent yeah. or Korean or something else. Um, do you think that will be... A defining moment for the All Blacks. I mean, could you imagine? Could you ever imagine a Korean Kiwi kid doing the haka? Oh, I don't need to imagine it because I I, I feel like they already do. Uh, I feel like there's plenty of um, yep. Korean, African, South African, you know, Aussie kids yeah, who yep. um, are living in New Zealand right now who, who do it because, like I said, it's such a big part of our our school um, system. Um, and I feel that if you've if you've played enough rugby as as a young kid coming through all the way to the All Blacks it would be, feel natural yep. and that's part of what makes the haka so special is because it, it, it's just such a natural thing yep. um, for these guys because of course it's like I said you can't be an All Black without doing the haka. No you're not wrong either Can you? and, and I think that you, the, the picture you paint there of, um, of like a, a multicultural All Black team uh, doing doing the haka would just be an awesome sight. Yeah it would be, be mind blowing. Yeah. Before we talk Black Ferns and Black Fern Sevens and All Blacks and Māori All Blacks, and I know that you've written an article on this, so just interested to know your thoughts. What on your thought? What are your thoughts on who and what is an All Black? Because I know that when the New Zealand Rugby Union branded and they went, okay, we're going to have the Māori All Blacks, and we're going to have the All Black Sevens team, and we're going to have and my, I've got lots of connections in Canada. I know that yep. lots of my Canadian friends. Um, there was a headline a couple of years back where the Sevens mm. Canadian Sevens team beat us. And I got all these messages with <laughs> the All Blacks have been beaten by Canada. I was like, hang on, no way. I've got a test schedule. Um, what do you think about that with the, the, the branding of the All Blacks? Yeah, it's an interesting one. Um, I think, like a lot of people, I was a bit sceptical when they did the rebrand. It was about a decade ago mm, mm-hmm. um, where they, they renamed the Sevens team, the All Blacks, mm-hmm. as well. Um, I think, though, I've kind of softened on that a yep. bit. Um, the... The exposure that the brand gets from all those constant sevens tournaments yep. um, in places where the All Blacks normally wouldn't go, like Canada, yep. um, you know, to Hong Kong as well. Like, there's just the market there, pardon me, um, for that brand is really big. One one thing I, I do kind of query, though, is if they were going to name the sevens team the All Blacks and the Māori All Blacks, why they didn't name the the women's team, mm. the All Blacks as well, because I thought I thought that if it was a branding exercise and you want to get the brand out there, um, I mean that's fifty percent of the world's population there yep. that uh, you know, yep. or fifty percent of New Zealand's population that could be All Blacks as well. Yep. Um, you know, I think that's a topic for a whole another podcast. Oh but, yeah, uh, yeah, you're yeah. definitely right. And I've got friends yeah. Anna Richard and Rochelle Martin, and I can hear them saying, "Right on, brother." Yep. Uh, in the book you discuss Sarah Hirarini uh, yep. performing the hacker for the Black Fern Seven. And then the Brazilian women's team performing Kamate from the stands. And the New Zealand sevens men team performing a haka. How much haka is too much haka? 
And do you think you can get too much of a good thing? Like sometimes you'll have some people who are watching the Olympics, for instance, mm. um, and somebody will pick up a medal or a fifth place. And in New Zealand, we're very proud of that. And I always say it's an accomplishment to get to the Olympics. But then we'll have 40 New Zealanders doing the haka up in the stand. And by the time the Olympics comes around, some people are like, oh, but haka it out, to be fair. Um, I think from a rugby point of view, given that the... The All Blacks Sevens and the Black Ferns Sevens only perform it when they win tournaments. So mm-hmm. I mean, that's only, I mean, the Black Ferns win all the time, so yeah, that's yeah. one a week for them. Yeah. Um, and also, that's one of my favourite stories in the book is about that Brazilian team. Yeah, that uh, was learning, really special. Learning how, to, yeah. learning how to do that themselves. Yeah. Um, that just as an aside, and also just dealing with the Black Ferns Sevens is awesome to deal with. Yeah. Um, yeah. Though, I think between you and I, yeah. having had lots to do with Black Ferns, I think if. There were lots of men rugby players who could take on the same work ethic and the professionalism that the Black Ferns do. Nice. <laughs> they would, yeah, they yep. should be there, that and then some, just that, quietly. Yep. That's right. Yeah, but getting back to your original yeah. question, uh, <laughs> I mean, just from a rugby point of view, I think they've I've got the balance about right. Um, I think the Olympics uh, sort of haka experience, I think it shows a bit of cultural cringe that New Zealand kind of mm. does a lot. It is, a, you know, it is our thing. Yeah. Um, it, it's just like an American grabbing the old stars and stripes yeah. and running around. You know, you wouldn't get any American getting in, getting upset about that, saying, no. oh, man, do they have to wave their flag around? It's like, no, just be proud of it. It's, yeah. it's like, and also, like I said, no other country can do what we do, so no, exactly I don't have right. a problem with it. Speaking of hackers, Kamate versus Kapapango, which do you prefer? Well, I'd have to say Kapapango because um, it's the one that's specifically written um, for the All Blacks. Obviously, Kamati's, you know, it's a really important part of yep. part of the culture and everything, but uh, Kapapango as well, just because of the first time they did it, like, how good yep. was that? That was just such an amazing moment. Now, speaking of the first time that they did it, I can remember lots of people going, what the... And then there were a few crusty old fellas, you know, what makes this All Blacks team any better than the last one? And they keep talking about the heritage and the legacy of a jersey, and then they go and pull this one, wah, wah, wah. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the book you explain, you know, um, about the the Komatuas, when they were talking about it, they say that um, Kapa Apango is the younger brother and Kamate is the older brother. Mm. Um, do you think that will will ever actually get to a stage where we take on Kapoopango as much as we do Kamati Kamati. I mean, you can see um, when you watch some of the All Blacks fan footage, for instance, yeah. you can see kids who don't even know how to speak properly yes. and they're doing the actions to Kamati Kamati. Yes. Um, and then obviously there was that bit of controversy to start off with Kapoopango with the throat yep, slip. Yep. Um, do you think we'll get to that stage? Yeah, I, I mean, probably. Yep. Uh, given that Kamati's been around for you know well over 100 120 years yeah. uh, probably we will um, at the moment I still feel like people kind of treat it with a bit more reverence because it's specifically for the All Blacks yeah. like it would never occur to me to just do that because it's like okay you actually have to be in the All yeah. Blacks to wear yeah. that it's kind of like how New Zealanders are kind of a bit loath to actually pull on an All Black jersey unless you yeah. are in the All Blacks so that, that's the way I feel about it yeah. if other people feel differently like, that's up to them yeah, but yeah. it's, it's yeah. not something I'd, I'd do no, no. Uh, one for the English listeners Richard Cockrell's reaction to the haka and Norm Hewitt in November 1997. Hewitt said, haka is a challenge to war and the Poms had the right answer to do it. Do you think that Cockrell did the right thing um, by giving Norm a bit of a, sh- a shunt and then basically getting even closer? Yeah, you know what I do? Yeah. I do. I do um, he, he, he had the balls to stand up to the guy he was literally marking that day. Um, 
and he was on his own home turf. If you remember that, uh, that game was played at Old Trafford, yep. uh, Manchester United's um, home ground, yep. and they wanted the English really wanted to make a statement because they their team was in a bit of bit of disarray yep. back then. Um, and it's it's I reckon it was awesome that he did that because it's what that game is remembered mm. for. Um, and he, yeah, I mean. Norm Hewitt said it himself. Like he's got no problem with it. Yeah. He stood up. Um, he's and he's that sort of player as well. Yeah. Uh, Richard Cockerell. I, I remember, like you know, even though he played for England, I had a bit of respect for him. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah I mean, like, like as much as we say we don't like opposing players from other teams, we do. We like especially yeah. the guys that are a bit mongrelly. Um, when you spoke to, did you actually speak to Richard Cockerell on the book? Oh no, Andy did that. Oh uh, yeah, that I was one, say, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I wondered if he, yeah. when you rang, if what are you going? Oh, you want to talk about the hacker again, boys? <laughs> Um, so oh, he's, he's been talking about it pretty much every day since it happened. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. That'd be fair. In Japan, obviously, the English surrounded the All Blacks, which in the book, as you say, they had the All Blacks' heads swivelling left and right. Farrell smirked, and Reid was aware that they were going to cop a world rugby uh, fine for breaking the protocols. But like you said, the ABs weren't worried about that. Mm. It's for them, it's not. Can you see more teams attempting to do that type of thing to try and nullify the haka now? Could you see the Springboks lining up? And maybe Joe Berg trying to do that, for instance, now? Uh, I, I don't think the Springboks would do it, because I think that the Springboks and the All Blacks have a kind of a special relationship where I don't think that they'd try and tamper with it um, yep. themselves. There's a chapter in the book about a challenge that the, um, the Springboks used to have themselves, yes, yeah, which yep, I, would, yep. I would you know, love to see them do again. But I think, yeah, I mean, uh, what the English did was just sort of a variation on what a lot of other teams have done anyway by just trying, trying something new yeah um, and yeah I, I, I don't see any reason why other teams wouldn't try and do it yeah not wrong yeah. Um, so I'm not going to go into too much detail about the rest of the book because you need to go out and get yourself a copy like I said it's one of the best rugby books I've seen in about the last probably five or ten years to be fair uh, there's Lost, Lost Harker in there there's Munster versus Marty All Blacks uh, obviously with the jersey laying for Axel Foley there's Ricky Flutie Performing and receiving the hacker as both a New Zealand Marty and a, a English and British Irish line player. Um, there's the world famous, well, world famous New Zealand famous changing room hacker affair, which yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. yeah and then one. finally, waltzing Matilda as a counter. What did you think the first time you saw that as a fan? Uh, I I didn't think much of it because I to me waltzing Matilda was just some funny song we'd sing at school, but. A lot of people don't. A lot of people forget the the Wallabies actually won that game, yeah, and, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and it remains, I think, a, a record. Oh, up until last year, it was a record winning margin, so it kind of worked. Yeah. Um, and and they did keep doing it for a good sort of for seven or eight years yeah. after that. Nah, I uh, yeah, I mean, I I always enjoy going to Australia to to watch Blues Low Cup. I think again, there's this kind of sort of special relationship there with the the All Blacks and the Wallabies, and. Um, I'd love it if they could somehow develop a sort of challenge of their own. If they want to bring back Waltz and Matilda, it'd be fine. Yeah, it'd be, yeah. Uh, be a great nod to their indigenous people if they actually did something with some of the Aboriginal yeah. tribes. I mean, again, that's a, yeah. that's a whole other uh, yeah, 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 discussion. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe not, not a podcast, but an entire week of podcasts, yeah, yeah. but that's all good. Now, normally at the end of the podcast, I ask a eulogy question, but I'm not going to ask you that. What I want you to do is I'd like you to think about what you think the haka will look like in 100 years' time. Mm-hmm the All Blacks, so we're talking, yeah, yeah, a long time away for you and I, um, and we won't be there to see it, but what do you think that Haka will look like in 100 years' time, especially for the All Blacks, obviously, because that's where facing the Haka's 
concentrated on? Well, I think the way things are going, um, it's going to be something that is going to be far more well understood. Um, hopefully this book is going to help people who might not know a lot about the haka yeah. uh, understand it a bit more. A lot of people just see it as a, a war dance. That's not quite right. No. It's it's a it's a challenge. Uh, but also what it is, and it's, and it's really reflected in one of the chapters in the book, which I really want people to read, is that it's a sign of respect. Yep. And it means that if, if I'm, me or my people are, are, are doing a haka to you, it means you're worthy of this. Yeah. Uh, and I think that in a hundred years, we're going to have a bit, much better understanding of that. And I think that what we're going to see is a lot more responses from other people's uh, indigenous cultures as well, which I just think would be would be fantastic. I think the, in terms of the way it looks, I think it's going to look pretty much the same. I think they've, yeah. I think they've kind of refined it to, to something where it just looks really nice. Hopefully, they can bring back some fireworks when they when they do the bit in the end, but. Who knows what technology is going to be? It'll be three D. It'll be you know. It'll be you, you'll be oh, able yeah. you'll be able to you'll be able to put yourself in the hacker. I'm sure. Yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah, and I say this as a a man whose mother is Irish. Uh, like she always said, there's no way we're ever going to be doing river dance against the hacker. So so yeah. So uh, Jamie, thank you for your time. Um, like I said, congratulations to you and Andy. It's a fabulous book. Um, and again, listeners, go out and get it because it really is a great book. And like you say, it not only explains the All Blacks and the Haka, but it probably also explains better than any book I've read, the Haka and how important it is to all New Zealanders, not just Māori, but to all New Zealanders, especially when we've got those 15 or 27 or 42, however many guys we've got in the squad yeah. actually doing it for us, because it does represent us as a country. Congrats. Oh, thank you very much. Thanks for having me on. Yeah. Um, and I'd just like to just put a little reminder, that it's Father's Day in a few weeks, so uh, if you want to jump out and buy a copy, it'll be a great gift. Done. Cappuccino with Constable Brian. Real people, real stories. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss his next podcast.